From the virtual newsroom in Levittown, this is the Pod Squad. I'm J.D. Mullane, columnist for the Bucks County Courier-Times. Bill John Picaro is off this week. If you haven't heard of the cancel culture, you should. It's a mob of sorts, mostly in the digital realm, where people you don't know and often don't know you take offense at your opinions and then attempt to destroy you. My guests today are T.C. Cuthbertson and Nelson Whitney. T.C. is the owner of the Falls Banquet, who found himself facing down a digital mob after a lie was posted to a Facebook page saying he's anti-police. Nelson is the acting chief for the Falls Township Police, whose detectives are investigating at least one threat to burn down T.C.'s business based on that lie. Gentlemen, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. TC, uh, tell us what happened. Um, you're just going about your day, and and what happened? How did you find out about this lie that was posted to a social media page? Yeah, so um, thank you so much, JD, for having me. Uh, really, this is a great opportunity uh, for me to kind of share what happened and kind of the fallout afterwards. So I, um, we're active on social media. We put a lot of content out on social media to get the word out about our business. We're a wedding and special events uh, venue, and um, we got a we got started to get messages on our facebook page uh that were a little uh disheartening that people were saying like you guys are anti-police we'll never do business with you guys ever again uh i can't believe you guys didn't allow the police to eat lunch on your property um and so we started getting a lot of that and some people started messaging us and we inquired well where's all of this coming from we we were completely dumbfounded by it and somebody uh screenshotted a post and sent it to us and we could read what was going on and by the time that we saw it it had already had maybe 50 or 60 shares of uh the comment was saying do not do business with this uh banquet hall they are uh they do not allow the false town or they don't allow the police to eat lunch on their property which couldn't be farther from the truth because uh we have a very good relationship with the local police department we allow the police to hang out on our property they run their reports they you know uh, they have canine dogs they have we allow them to r- run around the property because there's no harm no foul to our guests it's, uh, you know it's really open environment over here so it was a real big surprise when we saw that and then the, it, it just started coming like a flurry of different comments posts we were able to look at the posts because it was in a private group it was shared in a private group but it was be able to be shared publicly and uh the comments and everything was just so hostile and we were like this cannot be farther from the truth and unfortunately we weren't able to comment on it because the original post was in a private group uh, but by the time we were able to to, to really kind of see what was going on, it had over 100 shares, you know, a couple hundred likes and, you know, 80 or 90 different comments. It was just horrible. Yeah. Uh, saying uh, in the suburbs that you're anti-police, anti-cop is is uh, poison in the water. I mean, yeah. that, that can really do a lot of damage to your brand, right? Yeah, we have we do a lot uh, to make sure our brand is well represented in the community because we're a community business. We do weddings, we do birthday parties, corporate events, nonprofit events. Uh, we spend a lot of time, effort and money uh, to put out a good image for our business. And, you know, one of the biggest things that will hurt a business is to find that there's some sort of enmity, enmity between the business and the local police department, especially in the times that we live in right now. Um, and it was only exacerbated by the fact that people highlighted my ethnicity. I'm black, obviously, if you couldn't tell, hello. Uh, <laughs> and so, um, 
I think it was just a way for people to take advantage of the divisions that's going on in this country and, you know, bring that to the local marketplace. And it was unfair to us. Uh, we had to close down our business because we started to receive terroristic threats. Um, and it was just, it was horrible. My staff was scared to come to work. Uh, it was the talk of the, it was the talk of the, uh, area for like three to four days. And, um, unfortunately, you know, it had a negative impact on our business. Um, and luckily there was people like, uh, now acting chief Nelson. I reached out to him and informed him what, what was going on. And I said, Hey chief, I think, you know, we need to put something out to let people know this is not true. This is completely false. And he was off at a training. I'll let him talk about what he was doing, but, um, he told me that his people at the department was on it. And within 24 to 48 hours, I think, or with, after that weekend, we had a post up from the false township police saying it's patently false. Yeah, uh, Chief uh, Whitney, uh, TC was threatened with having his business burned. I'm not going to mention the guy's name. Uh, he, he wasn't ashamed to put his name to that threat, said, let's go burn the business down. Um, can anyone do that and get away with it? I mean, what are the criminal consequences uh, for posting what is a terroristic threat against a, a man's business and possibly his life and safety of the community? Yeah, this this was just a, a ridiculous incident. Uh, it's an example of you know social media can do a great many good things, but this is an example of of some of the bad things that can come from false information on social media. Uh, a terroristic threat in Pennsylvania is a first degree misdemeanor. Uh, you can get a ten thousand dollar fine and get up to five years in jail. So it's a serious charge. This this is not like getting a traffic ticket or a non traffic citation. Uh, people who engage in this kind of activity can absolutely face serious fines and jail time. It's yeah, no, no, and uh, especially for the, the target of the terroristic threat, it's no laughing matter. TC, what do you uh, think motivated the original post about you being any cop and all of those that follow? Yeah, so um, I don't know how the information got out, but there was an incident. I wouldn't call it an incident. It was just simply um, one time I pulled onto the property and there was a large group of officers, which again, we're very open and we've allowed the officers to hang out on the property. Um, but recently we had a uh, concern from one of our landscaping guys that uh, there was an issue going on because there's a whole bunch of police on the property, what's going on, which is natural. I expect that because usually if you see like six or seven different police cars or cruisers on a specific property, you're like, uh oh, something bad happened. Um, so in order to circumnavigate that, I had a conversation with the officers. I said, Hey guys, you guys are more than welcome, uh, to hang out on the property and that type of thing. But if you guys want to do a picnic and usually, you know, when you get a lot of cop cars together and they're, they're eating lunch or something like that, it can look like a picnic. I said, just give me a heads up that way. I can let the customers know that, you know, we're hosting a picnic for the police officers on the property. Don't be alarmed when you pull in, just come to the door. We'll open the door for you. Um, that way it, it does two things. It keeps the relationship very courteous and very uh, comfortable. And at the same time, it allows me to inform my customers not to be alarmed. There's nothing going on. You guys are more than welcome to come in. Um, and so, so with that, uh, everything was good. I even reached out to one of my main contacts with the Falls Township Police, uh, one of the sergeants there. We have a good relationship. Um, texted him. I said, hey, man, just wanted to give you an update. Had a conversation with one of the officers. Just wanted to make sure everything was clear. If you guys ever want to do a picnic or anything like that, shoot me a text message. I'll let you guys know. Um, 
and everything was good. Everything was perfectly fine. You know, he acknowledged that, hey, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll let you guys know if, if, if we're coming onto the property to do any type of picnic or whatever. And um, that was the end of it. And that was three weeks prior to that post coming out. And, you know, when that popped up, again, it was right after the George Floyd incident, huge divisions in the country. And bam, there goes a post like that. Let's shut this business down. We started getting negative reviews on our Google page. Uh, we started getting negative comments on our Facebook page, as well as personal messages. We even started to get threatening calls. It was really, really, it was something that, you know, I've been a business owner for about five years now, and I never experienced anything like that. And for it to spread as fast as it did, it was like, viral, it almost went viral in the community. Um, and we got nonstop calls. It was just, it was brutal. But I sent the email, like I said, I sent the email to to Chief Whitney um, and, you know, the rest was was kind of, it died down after the, the township police put out a post. Um, TC, can you explain to people who don't own a small business why it's so important for you to have a good working relationship with the police? You are, you are any small business in the community. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, there's a lot of challenges that come with owning a small business. Uh, one of those challenges is that you're you have you know people have access to your property. Um, you know, some people are well-meaning; they'll you know help themselves to to your property. Other people, not so much. And when that happens, a lot of times you you don't know really what's going on, and sometimes you have to have a contact with the local police department to say, hey. You know, this is not an emergency situation, but there's a guy on the property and we don't really know what his intentions are. We've never seen him before. If you mind just kind of increasing patrols on the property. That's a that's a courtesy that the township police can extend to a local small business that you wouldn't otherwise have unless you have a courteous relationship with the police. And it's not just that. It's also the fact that, you know, you want to demonstrate what it looks like to be a good citizen in your community. Um and so, and that goes both ways. That goes for the police department. It also goes for the small local business. It's more of a partnership because if you want to increase commerce for your community, you want to increase commerce for your business, you need to forge relationships with local uh, institutions. And the police department is a major institution that you need to have a partnership with in, in the community. So, um, you know, I, I don't think you can understate the importance of having a good relationship with the local police department. And as soon as I got here back in 2017, that relationship started. Uh, I'll never forget. Uh, and I told Chief Whitney this, um, the first encounter I had with the Falls Township Police Department was a little rough, right, Chief? Uh, I, I walked in and it was a former chief, Chief Wilcox, and there was some issue. We had a party or something like that, and uh, I needed security for it. It was a really stressful situation, and um, and I was new to the community, so I didn't really know how things worked. And I said, hey, guys, I need security. How does this work? And uh, the chief kind of really, you know, we had a conversation and he really expressed to me how the fact that you know the way they do things here in falls township is on a community-wide approach and it's a very comfortable relationship he has with the with the with the businesses and so that night i got the police presence that i needed we had we had the event no issues no incidents and from there on it's always been very cordial uh very comfortable i've had communication with Chief Whitney, I think now over like maybe six or 10 times now we've been in contact with each other. Even so much so a couple, I think last year, I reached out to the chief and I said, hey, um, I'm really appreciative for what you guys are doing. We want to host an appreciation dinner for you guys. So whenever you guys need a dinner, just let me know. And again, the chief has always been very courteous. 
He's always been very respectful to me. And I think that's important, especially with me being a black owned business, especially in the times that we live in right now. I think the community needs to see the demonstration of what the local police department and a local black owned business has um, and, and that it's not a hostile relationship. It's a comfortable relationship. It's a good relationship. It should, this should be, you know, this should be considered uh, one of the marquee relationships that a business should have with the local police department. Um, and I, I think we're very privileged to, to have that relationship with the local police department. Yeah, I mean, I've been working in Falls, so I grew up in Falls Township. Um, and I, I worked there, you know, I was a rookie reporter in, in Falls. And Falls has always been, with a few exceptions, it's always been a very good government, good, good police uh, community. And Chief, tell us, how does that relationship, what's the symbiosis between um, the police department and the local business community? Uh, do the police just, you know, keep it simple and, and patrol? Or do you go out, does the department have an outreach to business owners um, just to get to know them, to keep an eye on their property and know who they are? Yeah, that's a really good question. And it's one of the great parts of um, policing a community like Falls Township, where you can actually uh, have a community policing model where you get to know the different uh, stakeholders in the community. And our businesses are an important part of that. Um, you know, at one point during the pandemic and the, the unrest that followed Mr. Floyd's murder, uh, there was a lot of concern among our businesses uh, for the safety of their businesses and the people that were working. And I reached out to the local Chamber of Commerce to try to use them uh, as an aid to get the message out uh, to correct some misinformation. And, you know, we had a lot of that. We had a lot of misinformation uh, that you know, we, we couldn't necessarily uh, correct on our own. We needed our local business people to, to do that with us. And We've always had a, a tremendous uh, positive relationship with the businesses in our community. Uh, th they're very supportive to the police department. We've never had a relationship with a business in Falls Township that hasn't been positive. Uh, it just never happened. So I, I was stunned to hear from TC uh, that he was experiencing those kind of problems. Uh, yeah. we just, we've never had that happen here. I, I know you read stories about it happening elsewhere in the country, uh, but, but it just isn't part of the, the community here. It just yeah. doesn't happen. You know, uh, police across the country, uh, Nelson, are, are facing, uh, I guess, a similar situation as TC in terms of having their reputations damaged, given the outcry uh, over the death of George Floyd and others. Um, how, uh, how does a leader in a police department counter that? How do the police counter that? Because, you know, and, uh, as an aside, years ago, I did a ride around with uh, a, a police officer in Tullytown, and it was a windy day in spring. And somebody's trash cans in Lakeside had blown out into the street. And the officer stopped the car, got out, and put the trash can back on the curb. He got in, he looked at me, he said, you know, 95% of police work is, is public relations. And that's why I do that. So if 95% of police work is public relations, what happened in Minneapolis and other cases around the country are devastating to police reputation, not just in those cities, um, but when people start marching and defunding the police, uh, it gets very difficult. All police officers are painted the same, and it's just not true. But how do you counter that, Chief? Well, I think, you know, in Falls Township, our officers can take um, comfort in the fact that we do enjoy a great relationship with the citizens in our community, with our business owners, with our school district, and with our local elected officials. Uh, there's, there's not a them and us 
uh, mentality here. And, and I think, you know, that's an advantage to policing a smaller community and not a major city. Uh, it definitely uh, adds to the stress level of officers and their families to see uh, incidents like what took place in the Midwest, uh, to see the unrest that uh, came from that. Um, it's, it's upsetting to feel that all the progress we've made in law enforcement in the last you know, 30, 40, 50 years in the United States, it feels like it's wiped away in an instant. Um, but you know, that's an important message for young officers. And it's something I talk to young officers about. We need to uh, constantly reaffirm our commitment to performing our duties uh, in a way that upholds the constitution, that upholds our oath and uh, continually uh, gain the trust of the people that we serve. And I think we have that trust here, but it could be lost. It could be lost, you know, in an instant of a bad decision. So it's very, very important to recruit and train officers that can make good decisions under stress so that we don't find ourselves the center of a critical incident where our people didn't perform up to the standards that the community would expect. Uh, we try very hard at that here, and um, I feel privileged to work with the officers that I work with. We've got good people here. You know, we're in the middle of, um, you know, we're in the high water of these very trying times with the race and wedges being uh, driven between police and communities. Um, how do you think all of this, Nelson, will, will change law enforcement and how you do your job going forward? Or, or, or don't you know? I mean, we're kind of in the fog of it right now. Do you have any idea of, of this way forward how police work will change? I actually think we'll see some positive change from this. Um, you know, a lot of the change that's being called for uh, is already in place here in Falls Township and in Pennsylvania. For example, Pennsylvania doesn't permit no-knock warrants. That's just always been part of the law here. So, you know, we don't contend with that issue. Um, our policy has uh, banned any kind of neck restraint for decades. Uh, so, so, you know, those kind of things are in place here. I think that you're going to see a lot more data-driven policing. You're gonna see police administrators collect and analyze data. And I think that's a good thing. Um, I, from the standpoint of being a police commander, I think a national database of, of officers who've been fired for misconduct would be a good thing. Because you know that's always the stress when you go to hire somebody. You do a background check, you're as um, thorough as you can be, but you're looking for those uh, good-hearted, um, hard-charging, uh, at the same time, people who strive to achieve excellence in everything that they do. And, you know, when you're weeding through hundreds of applicants, at times, it's hard to find that that person that is going to commit themselves to a 30-year career of bringing their best game to work every day. And that's, of course, what we all look for. Um, so I actually think some of the things that are going to come from this are going to be positive. I, I think defunding the police, obviously, is is the opposite of what anybody would want. If anything, you want to put more effort into training, more effort into recruiting and hiring, which costs money, um, more effort into giving officers options uh, that are less lethal when they're faced with a use of force situation. Um, you know, training is extremely important. And, it, and again, you can't train somebody uh, when you hire them and say, okay, they're good. Uh, training has to be reinforced um, annually. It has to be reinforced almost daily. You have to, you have to build a mindset to look back at what you've done and say, did I do the best I could have on that call? Is, are there things I could have done better? And, and strive for that professional excellence. And when you have a culture and an organization that is built upon those kind of principles, you won't have an incident 
like what has happened elsewhere in the country. We're the same way as everybody else. Any civilized person looks at some of these incidents and just shakes their head and like, how could that possibly have happened? Um, yeah. the, the way to avoid those things happening or to do the kinds of things that some people are talking about. Um, but, you know, we're fortunate here in Bucks County that we have other aspects of the system in place that don't put the burden completely on law enforcement to, to solve all the problems of society. For example, we have a mobile crisis unit. So when we're dealing with someone struggling with mental illness, we have an organization that will send social workers into the field and work with us so that we're creating better outcomes for people, which is one of the, the major tenets of procedural justice. Uh, you know, we, 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 have a, we already have kind of an embedded value of human life that is just in the community. It's not just the police department. It's, it's in local government. It's in the fire departments. It's in the rescue squads. You know, you, you can see it every day when somebody has a heart attack. Um, you don't just see a police car show up or an ambulance. It's a police car. It's an ambulance. It's a fire unit. And everybody works together to try to save that life. You know, you see it when we have uh, someone who succumbs to an overdose. You see police cars show up. You see ambulances show up. And, and, and it's, it's multiple uh, members of the emergency services all working together to try to save lives. And, you know, you see it here with, you know, if you look beyond the first layer, for example, an award ceremony when we're giving an officer a commendation for a critical incident. When you look at those critical incidents, it's not just that the incident happened and maybe an arrest was made or it was resolved. It's in many instances an occasion where a higher level of force would have been justified. You know, we have officers that instead of shooting somebody who's armed, their instinctive reaction is to risk their own life and tackle them and, and resolve the incident without using any more force than going hands-on and, and tackling someone. And you see it again and again. And, and it's not just um, people who are uh, committing crimes or people who are succumbing to some kind of medical illness. It's everybody. And, and, and certainly people in custody that we have a special relationship with, that we care for and take care of. You, you see it across the board whether it's a citizen in a car crash, whether it's uh, another kind of medical call that I've uh, just referenced, whether it's somebody who's committing a crime. The, the common theme again and again, and I'm very proud of this in, in, in the police department that I've served my whole professional career in, the common theme is life is valuable and, and that officers will at times risk their own lives to, to take someone into custody and not harm them. It's, it's just fantastic. And, and you see it again and again. I, I could probably think of 12 examples if I, if I sat here long enough with you. Recently, sure. officers have elected to, you know, go hands-on and take somebody into custody and risk themselves where somewhere else you might, that might've been a shooting. Um, yeah. Not, yeah. Doesn't happen here. Yeah, Chief, you know, uh, I, I told people at, at uh, protests, they say, you know, uh, drive over to a neighboring uh, neighborhood where nobody knows you and, and knock on their door and ask them, would you take a bullet for me? They'll look at you like you're nuts. But you know who would take a bullet for all of those Anybody, uh, a police officer, you know, they'll take a bullet. Very few people in the world will take a bullet from me or TC, you know, in our neighborhoods, you know, where we live. But a police officer, no matter where we live, is prepared to do that. You know, Falls has a, a really wonderful ambassador uh, for police work in John Yeager. You know, I wrote a column about him last November. He gave a talk at one of the senior centers. And, you know, it is a really amazing what he said. Uh, and it got like 30,000 page views at the Courier Times website. It was like the highest, the, the most read column online that I, that I wrote uh, that month. 
So it's it, he really is a wonderful asset. I hope I hope he doesn't retire. I went to high school with John, by the way. He was a great guy back then when when he was a kid. So and he's he's perfect for that line of work. Um, TC, I wanted to ask you something. You know, as police officers, uh, as police officers around the country try to uh, figure out how to go forward, how does a business owner who's been attacked by the uh, the digital mob, the cancel culture, how do you fight back? What what can you do? Uh, you know, to fight back and, and try to erase that, um, that, that damage that's been done. Yeah. So I think venues like this is, uh, is important, uh, that we use our voice. We use our, you know, messaging platform. Social media is a good one. Um, just to kind of express to people that we exist, we're here. Um, and like I said, you're going to get feedback from the community no matter what. You can do 150 things great and, and make a mistake in one area. And that one mistake is going to take precedence over all the good stuff that you did. So we expect that. That comes with the territory. That's not something we shy away from. Um, but I think it's important now, especially considering where we are as a society, some of the challenges that we're facing. Um, I think it's important for business owners and police departments alike to show uh, what it's like to have good relationships. And I can't stress that enough, especially coming from a black business owner. I mean, that's that's my background. And when I encounter somebody, oh, I didn't know this was black owned, that's great. And it's, it's a great presentation to have, but I think it's also important that we be responsible with uh, the privileges that we do have. And some of that responsibility looks like you know, being vocal and open and honest about some of the challenges that we're facing. It's true that we're seeing social degradation against black people in this country. Um, and we saw it on display with this incident. There was, there's no better example of social degradation than what just happened to me a couple of weeks ago. And I think it's important for us to use our voices, especially gatekeepers in the community like the police chief uh, to lend his voice to some of these issues that's dividing people um, and really express that hey, that's not the way it's supposed to work. That's not the way it's supposed to happen. I've had great relationships with these people, with, with a lot of the people in this community. And, you know, when stuff like this happens, it's important to know that those people have our backs. And if you don't know that they have your back in the open and in public, but they say they have your back behind do closed doors, I think that I think that's that's disingenuous. And so I would encourage, and I thank so much the chief for what he's done for us. I would encourage the chief as well as in the department to continue to foster those relationships specifically with the black owned and minority owned businesses. Uh, and I would encourage you, you, you guys display courage on a daily basis. And I don't think anybody should take that away from you. I resent the message defund the police and I'm very public with that. I think that hurts minority communities badly. I, we are not in support of defunding the police. Are we in support of higher accountability? Absolutely. Are we in support of community engagement? Absolutely. Are we in support of restructuring police departments that don't uh, yield positive beneficial uh, uh, outcomes for their communities? Absolutely. But I think responsible gatekeepers like the chief, I think right now the light is on you guys to show what it looks like to have good policing in this country. And I think you guys have a responsibility to really come out vocally and inform the public about what your role is in, in contributing to a positive relationship between uh, minority and marginalized communities and their local police departments. So uh, I think venues and platforms like this is a, is a very useful tool to use to get the word out to people, both 
people, black, white, Spanish, Asian, whatever, that these things happen. And there are people that are responsible that'll take the necessary, uh, take the necessary actions with tact and call it out when they see it, whether it's in their department or a department across the country, we're one United States of America. And if one person is hurting or one area of society is hurting, another area of society needs to come to their defense, which is why I've been very vocal about against this defund the police movement. I don't think it's constructive. I think it's destructive. I think we need to have more conversations like the one we're having today and let that be in the public domain so people can really see uh, how we get to a solution as opposed to exacerbating the problem. Sure, and, and the local paper, the Courier, will be there to help. Uh, you know, uh, we, uh, we wanna uh, write those stories and report these kinds of good relationships and improving relationships, you know, between the police and the community, uh, given the tough times that we're in. And I see by the old uh, clock counter at the top of the screen, uh, we're out of time for now, coming up on that 30 minute mark. So TC Chief, thanks for coming on. And I just have a couple of closing comments. You know, uh, the First Amendment protects free expression, but it especially protects unpopular and ugly speech. Confronted by ideas we find repugnant has always made us uncomfortable in this country, but Supreme Court Justice Louis Brandeis said back in the 1920s that the cure for ugly and bad speech is more free speech, not a forced silence. Does free speech mean you can slander, libel, and destroy a reputation without consequence? In my line of work, no, I could be sued for libel. But in the digital realm, as we see with T.C. Cuthbertson, uh, the people who smeared him are right now going about their day, uncaring and unashamed of the disaster they wrought on him and his family and his business. And this shouldn't be, it shouldn't stand. Let's hope they face some sort of justice, be it legal or otherwise, even if it's just being held to account by neighbors or karma. We can't just post online any emotion-fueled nonsense based on falsehoods and rumors and then walk away. It's the digital version of tossing a grenade into a crowd and walking away. We have to decide what kind of people we're going to be. Thoughtful, respectful, and restrained, or a howling mob okay with destroying the lives and the livelihoods of people we don't know. Those are my thoughts. Catch our podcast wherever you get yours. Read all of our great local journalism at thecouriertimes.com, theintel.com, two L's in Intel, and the Burlington County Times, our beautiful little sister paper over in Burlington County, New Jersey. For all of us here at the paper, thanks for listening, thanks for watching, but especially thanks for reading.